Come on, Annie. Let's go to the movies. This is the Cinerealist episode 608. My name is Kyle. My name is James. And my name is Zach. And we're here to talk movies, movie lists, and movie obsession for the next hour or so. I also want to give James the award for the greatest background of the three of us now. <laughs> okay. Gone are Thank the you. boxes. Yes, I'm, it's slowly whipping into shape, I would say. <laughs> it looks like a completely different room. Am I right that you've also gotten farther away from that wall? Or is that just an optical no, illusion now? Probably an optical illusion. It, I mean, there's, it really there's looks less, like the wall's farther away. There was more sticking out from the wall. Uh, so there was stuff closer to me. But I mean, that's like a Blu ray depth shelf. So. Okay. So your desk has not moved closer to the wall? No. Okay. Wow. Nope. My desk has not how moved many, at all. How many Blu rays is that? <sighs> that's a good question. Wow. Doesn't even know. <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't even know. I don't know. I could probably Just tell you how many it'll hold, but it's not completely full. So is James in the top one percent of physical <laughs> movie media possessors? Um, I, I would say yes. I'd say there's a chance. I, I'm not as clued in to collectors. If he really is a collector, I'm not even sure that's the right term for it. I'm not clued <laughs> into uh, physical media collectors, so I don't know if there's people who have like rooms of movies. Well, there James certainly are. Room. Yes, there certainly are. There just has to be ninety nine percent of people who have less than him. Like More of, of a physical media world, critic, or of people who still collect physical media. People that collect physical media. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd say there's a fair chance. What do you think, James? Are you in the Are you in the top one percent? Um, I I don't I don't know. That's a good question. I think if it's not one percent, it's five percent. It's up there. <laughs> Yeah, probably yeah. at this point. Um, it holds 576 Blu-ray discs and there's three of them. So 1650 so, roughly if almost, it was yeah. if it was full. And what you're not seeing is like a whole row on the bottom that's not full. Yeah, Plus those, but, but it's those mostly classics take up like 10 spaces and there's what six in there. Yeah, and there's probably 50 Criterions out in the living room. So you had those. It's probably close to 1500, 1600, something like that. I imagine. Zach, how nice. many movies do you own? Uh, I have about 100. Well, uh, Blu-rays, I have about maybe 150. Okay. And then about 150 DVDs. Nice. I own five DVDs. And if I could get rid of those five, I would. <laughs> I like you guys are are snobs when it comes to HD uh, DVDs are a perfectly fine movie watching experience. I've done far worse in my life. Oh, I've yeah, done I've far done, worse. I've I just done refused worse in my to. life, but I could do better now. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I think the Blu-rays are barely worth the space. DVDs are definitely not worth the space, in my opinion. Okay. See, I'm not a snob to that extent. I have no problem with Blu-rays. <laughs> 4Ks are fun at all, but <laughs> no problem with the Blu-ray. The DVD, sure. it, I have some select DVDs I'm holding on to because they don't make, like release them in Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. But if I can replace my DVDs, I will. I think I'd have less of a problem with Blu-rays if I didn't have so many. 
<laughs> that's a you problem. That is You're a me lousy, problem. lousy with Blu-rays. It's a uh, what, what they call like self-perpetuating issue. A vicious cycle. Yeah, it's yeah. a vicious cycle for sure. Yeah. You just keep getting Blu-rays and say, oh, I hate these so much. Right. Must get more of them. Yep. Yeah. The, the day they announce 8K, James is just going to sob. The day what? Just They announce 8K. Oh, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to go to 8K. I mean, I'll stream it all day, but I don't think I'm going to buy physical media on 8K. That's the thing is like, why would you still pursue Blu-rays when 8K is out there? You know, like, what's the point then? Blu-rays are the new DVD. is just around the corner. <laughs> because because I, I can tell small differences between a Blu-ray and a 4K. But really only if I'm looking for it. Yeah. If I'm being honest with myself, probably the Blu-ray would get me down the line. Now, as TVs, like once I get a t- the TV the size I want it, which would literally be my entire wall, I think maybe there might be more of a difference between a 4K and a Blu-ray. And at that point, maybe 8K would e- even be like an improvement over a 4K. But I can't imagine what an 8K could offer me right now that would be like mind-blowing over a 4K. That being said, never seen an 8K in my life. So <laughs> it's possible that it would blow me away. I have no clue. Have you seen an 8K video? Um, Like played on an the, 8K TV? The most I've seen is a 6K. Okay. Played on a 5K monitor. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, YouTube videos go up to 8K for yeah. some reason. <laughs> um, I think where that that is really going to be helpful is in VR. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's where it's going to be really nice. That makes sense. Just because you need like really high pixel density to like. To make it realistic. Right, Otherwise, right. Your, your brain just can suss it out. That makes sense. Speak- I really don't know if I got an 8K TV, if I could tell a difference at all between my 4Ks. That's what I'm saying. I I don't yeah. I wouldn't know until I see it. And I can't imagine buying an 8K TV anytime soon. I haven't even seen them in stores. Are they in stores yet? I have yet to see them. Right. I'm sure you could buy them, but they're not like Costco's not carrying them. Best Buy's not carrying them. Right. I got to see it for myself before yeah. I even consider putting the money down. So uh speaking of putting the money down, we put the money down on a movie this week. We sure did. Our James. hard-earned Netflix monthly payment. Which I don't what, actually what pay. We, I, I ride my sister's account. Thank I you, do Amanda. pay, but I don't know what it what, what it costs. Uh, <laughs> I think they just increased it. It's isn't it like twelve or thirteen a month now? Oh man, I, really? Zach, so I much. assume you're getting like the basic. You're, you're not getting like HD Netflix. I don't know. You're probably getting standard F Netflix. You're getting we, DVD we, quality. We Netflix. used to get it free with my brother. Okay, but then uh, he dropped us. I, for a legitimate reason, I just don't remember what, what it is exactly. Probably because Netflix didn't allow sharing anymore, but apparently James is sharing, so I don't know what's up with that. Well, you have to know how to do it. Oh, you do fancy sharing. Do you use, use a VPN or you just tell them your sister's address? No, it it doesn't want you to put multiple accounts on devices like TVs, but it will allow you to put an account on a phone and then Chromecast it to a TV. You just can't use the Netflix app on the TV. So you watch Netflix Chromecasted from your phone to your TV? Yes. 
I now understand why you would not be able to tell an 8K resolution. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because your bit rate has to be so low. The, all the you're, phone does you're is You're watching send, less than a DVD. All I'm the sure. phone does is send instructions to the Chromecast. It doesn't send the video stream. Yeah. It doesn't bounce from my phone. The video stream doesn't bounce from my phone to the Chromecast. It just tells the Chromecast, stream this video. It's like AirPlay. Right. Exactly. So, hold on. You're saying it's not using the phone's processor whatsoever. Like the, I mean, the phone's whatsoever? processor. No, I'm sure it's using a little tiny bit of the processor to send that signal. To, okay, but the phone is not the phone is not processing the stream. The phone the is TV not is. taking in the stream and sending it back out for the Chromecast to receive the video stream. Is that true? Yes, it's true. Okay. <laughs> Works the same as a Fire Stick or any other streaming device. Well, doesn't the Fire Stick do the processing? Right, but your phone tells the Fire Stick what video to go play. Okay. You're basically using your phone as a remote. The point okay. is, we saw the killer, Zach, <laughs> and we're going to talk about it. That's the point, all right? And it's a new movie on Netflix. We're going to jump into it right after I tell you that uh, there's a video version of this podcast on YouTube. Go check it out. Subscribe. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Cinerealist. Get extra after show audio as well as other uh, Cinerealist swag over there. Uh, leave us an Apple podcast review. We'd appreciate that. Five stars only. And it helps other people find the podcast. Or you could send us an email to heyguys at Cinerealist.com. R-E-E-L with an S on the end. Send a comment, question, list, suggestion, movie suggestion, any of those kinds of things please. And with that, let's get into the killers. We're going to talk all about it right after this clip. I find music a useful distraction. A focused tool. Keeps the inner voice from wandering. Did I say the killers? You did say the killers. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> I, Somebody I, told me that you had a girlfriend with like a boyfriend that I had. Whatever. Right. I meant to say the killer, which is on Netflix now. It's a 2023 American action thriller film directed by David Fincher. Uh, it's based on a French graphic novel series um, by Alexander Motz Nolent. The killer stars Michael Fassbender, Arliss Howard, Charles Parnell, Sayla Baker, Sophie Charlotte, and Tilda Swinton. But mostly Michael Fassbender, I would say. And the official INDB plot synopsis for The Killer is, After a fateful near miss, an assassin battles his employers and himself on an international manhunt he insists isn't personal. Was it a near miss? Is near miss the right word there? Isn't it a near hit? I, I would I would say after a botched job would be the best way to put it. 
Sure. In a near miss, do you miss or do you make it just barely? Well, if we want to discuss already, he he missed the target. He hit mm. something, but it wasn't his target. That's true. Right. I'm just trying to figure out if that's what near miss means. I think that's how people use it, but semantically, yeah. I think you might be right, Zach, that that's not actually. I don't know. It just right. seems strange. I think semantically, it should probably be near hit. <laughs> I've um, never heard. I, I I can't think of the context of a near hit. Like, like oh man, that car went by me. That was a near miss. Like I've, I've heard near miss in that, but right near hit. That's how people use it. But now that yeah. Zach brings it up, I think maybe he is right, and the rest of the world ha- has always been wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I face this daily, James. <laughs> oh, I get it. I see what you're saying now. How could be if it misses? How can be a near miss? Right, right. It, yeah. It's a miss after it's missing. A miss. It's yeah. a near miss hit. A yeah, because you didn't hit. It was near the hit. Exactly. Anyway, yeah, rewrite the English language. <laughs> the big question is: Was the killer a near hit or a near miss? What do you guys think Ooh, of in the your killer? hearts? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is interesting. I did enjoy this movie uh, actually quite a bit. I like this movie a lot. Um, it's weird though watching it mm-hmm. and in my head i'm like this is a fincher movie and thinking through other fincher movies that i watched that seemed like such um event movies like did they just seem so important to the culture in a way or maybe mm-hmm. my limited scope culture and then this just feels like a disposable netflix thing that's here for a week and then totally gone and mm-hmm. it's just weird it's like okay so we have fight club and then this like netflix movie of the week you know yeah uh so it's odd but i think the movie is is really a good watch um uh it's just i'm I'm still getting used to this disposable streaming world we live in now you know where something like pops on my radar the day before it's available on netflix and then it's gone again a week later and it's a fincher film and it's a fincher film right and it's yeah. it's a competently made well done kind of thing mm-hmm. um yeah, did you guys experience that uh, dissonance at all? Yeah, this movie started really strong for me. Like that first chapter where he's in the the, the abandoned office building mm-hmm. and it's just narration and it's this very almost nihilistic narration about like what is existence and how he justifies his career as an assassin and the the boredom involved, like as he spends days observing something, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be like a meditative assassin movie, which is gonna I'm I'm in for, which is cool." And then the plot kicks in, and yeah, it became sort of a disposable thriller after that. It was definitely a gear shift for me, and it didn't. I'm I'm, I'm I got the same thing, Zach. I'm watching this movie, and I'm expecting like this is David Fincher. This is gonna be maybe not, you know earth shattering the movies but like a, a new i don't know like like a new take on the hitman story or something along those lines and we just kind of got a i don't know a, a clean up the mess story for the last five six of the movie however you want to put it it was a checkbox movie yeah yeah it's it's we gotta have this scene and have this and take care of this and you know i i've it brought up questions about the character himself because the character we were introduced in that first, I don't know, 15 minutes did not seem like the same character that we then saw for the rest of the movie. The one who seems so detached from 
people and society. Hmm. So, I don't know. I think the movie that was uh, that I was set up with versus the movie I was given with the rest didn't jive. I didn't not enjoy the movie. Like I was never bored or thought, "Well, this is stupid." But I never felt like I was seeing anything that special, especially being like David Fincher and the first movie that Michael Fassbender's made in four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember what you guys thought about Mank. Did you feel like Mank was a disposable streaming movie because it went right to streaming? No, I didn't. No, Mank felt more memorable, like with the Gary Oldman performance and the time period it took place in. There was definitely like Oscar hype for Mank and just yeah. general hype for Mank, I would say. I, I did like this movie better than Mank. Mm-hmm. I, I think Mank felt less disposable because it's like old timey, you know, because it's a period it's piece. It's a period right. piece. It's about Citizen Kane in a way. And yeah, it, it felt yeah. more Oscar Beatty with the big performance. Mm hmm. What'd you think, James? Uh, I I enjoyed it as well. I mean, I I I, I it's perfectly competent David Fincher version of this type of movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's not like anything super special in the plot department. And so once you take away the any kind of uh, innov- plot innovations, uh, then you just have his presentation and Michael Fassbender's acting. And luckily, Michael Fassbender great actor the guy and, can act. uh, and with uh david fincher's visuals like they're very well thought out and meticulous and uh, occasionally distracting i would say there's one moment in the beginning when he's like laying on a workbench in a construction area trying to sleep and the light behind him is like perfectly positioned right where the leg of the table is so that you can't see the light and i was like this is a really beautiful shot that would never happen in real life. <laughs> the only way this this happens is if a filmmaker's like, we gotta hide this light type of thing. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes the design is a little uh, designy, uh, but that's cool. I mean, not everybody does that, and I I dig it when he does it. So I think My- overall, I liked it. Uh, I liked how how much this movie moved around. Like it was constantly changing locations and. Oddly enough, everywhere felt the same, which I think was by design. Like no matter where he was, he was in the same sour mood and the same tone. It like the he went California, Florida, other countries. They all felt like the same place, no matter where he was at. Yeah, uh, the repetition of the name changing too, I thought was great. That like people are basically just reminding him who he is at the moment. Uh, I liked that and. Um, and there's one particular action scene that I thought since Fight Club, we haven't really gotten a whole lot of Fincher action. And uh, I enjoyed the fight scene in this. It was pretty effective at being uh, visceral. I'm assuming I you mean the Florida one? Yeah, yeah. Florida okay, one. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. one with the dog. Yep. Yep. Uh, um, the, uh, AKA the only one. <laughs> yeah, I guess much. I guess it was really the only action scene. You're right. <laughs> yeah, and that scene was great. It just kept on going. It lasted for a very long time. Mm-hmm. The guy he was fighting, uh, he was outmatched. Definitely, he definitely sold the fact that he's aggressive and strong. Like you just right. get the sense that like you one hit from this guy is you know Super Street Fighter two level of pain. Right. Yeah. Um. I like yeah. that one point that. uh Fastbender's character was trying to use jujitsu on this big guy, 
and the big guy is just like, I'm just going to fall on you. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, like jujitsu is great and it can get you so far. <laughs> sure. Um, okay. So Michael's performance, I call him Michael, mm-hmm. uh, his performance, oh, I, I call him Mikey. You call him Mikey. Yeah. Uh, was great. He's just a man. He's a solid actor, I would say, but distractingly skinny in this role. I, he seemed too skinny for this person. <laughs> Okay, what did you want? Like a bodybuilder? No. Are those my two options? No, no. I Just like a normal, normal assassin body shape. That was like a part of the character, though. He's talking about how he needs to fit in. He dresses like a tourist. No, he was too skinny. No, no. (laughs) No, I thought he was pretty normal looking. He looked like he was 6'1 and 140 pounds. Disagree. When he took his shirt off, he had no body fat. But when he was clothed, he looked normal, it, Kyle. That's what I look like when I take my shirt yeah, off. No, normal. I've seen your shirt off recently. That's not what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. We we have aging non-movie star middle-aged bodies, and I'm okay with that for the most part. No, no. He was he was he was he was like no, he's normal. He, We're abnormal. No, no, he lost Kyle. weight for that role. Oh no, he did he did for sure. It didn't bother, like when he was clothed, it did, actually, it didn't bother me at all. When he took his shirt off, I was like, oh, this is a guy who keeps himself in really, this character keeps himself in really good shape. Like, it no, wants no, no you body guys, fat on him. You guys are completely misunderstanding me. I got I'm all not saying, when he took the shirt I am off. not saying he was in good shape. I'm saying he was underweight. Like, he was like the machinist. I, I never got no. underweight from him. No, I just not, got no body chance. fat. Yeah. No. Just too... What? too the, the vibe I did get from him, at least at the beginning, was very Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. Mm-hmm. Like methodical, like self-talk. Yeah. And and that's kind of, again, that's the movie I was hoping we we're going to get is like, what if Patrick Bateman had become a hitman instead of just like a serial killer? You know, one thing he said over and over, probably three times in the intro in his monologue, there's a lot of monologue and narration, yeah. um, is how he's not the smartest assassin in the world. He's just has experience kind of a thing. He said three times, I'm I'm not super smart at this. But I disagree. I think he was really smart at this. He seemed, especially towards the end, he seemed to have thought things through quite a bit. I don't know. But he just kind of snuck up on people well. Yeah. Okay. So maybe this <laughs> you know is more I mean? for a spoiler, but I don't know if he was, like, he kept saying, well, okay. So he did say, I'm not the smartest. He also said, though, like, like I have a perfect batting average minus this guy who had a heart attack. Right? So he seemed to see himself as an expert at his field. But from what we saw, I don't know if he actually was very good at his job. No, we, he's we can, super good at his job. We can discuss that in in spoilers or, or maybe it was inconsistent because I, I think like at the end, he was very good at his job. But then other parts of the movie, I, I thought he was not going through with a methodical approach like he normally would. I mean, they well, didn't love to talk about it. They didn't show us like him being a great assassin. Really? Say. Uh, he was really good at it. We'll talk about I, it. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll talk, talk about it. Okay, we'll talk about it. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I so... S- uh, the love interest element to the movie, I think, fell completely flat for me. That So that is something that... That's what didn't work for me, was he was talking about, and especially in that opening monologue, about like how you can't have empathy, and he was, sort of was this nihilistic robot at mm-hmm. least has how he was presented in that first act and then this love interest kicks off this whole rest of the plot and that didn't 
work for me at all. I, I didn't see that character as being motivated by that to do what he was doing. See, that to me was more like, this is what he tells himself to get through the machinations of being an assassin. You know what I okay. mean? Like he's constantly, what do they call him like affirmations, positive affirmations. Right. They're like his version of that, where he just kind of replays it in his brain so that he can just kind of make sure that he can get the job done and go home type of thing. But then when the rubber meets the road, you know what I mean? And things really go down, then he's, it falls apart a little bit because he is a human and he does care about certain things. I do like yeah. that he makes mistakes. One thing that I enjoy about this movie and other movies is the <laughs> the specifics of like spy work. You know, like the having a storage facility with sure. a, a you know a box full of Ziploc bags that have different passports and currencies in it. You know, and the like procedural nature of yes, that. the yeah. magnetic license plate covers. You know, all that kind of stuff is just always fun. But yeah. How much money do you have to have to have six storage lockers around the globe? Each one has multiple passports. I'm assuming unregistered guns, all those things. Like, what, what's the what's the capital investment to set up that network? Well, he, yeah. here's the thing: is a lot of that he didn't pay for, right? He is an employer. Um, true. And that person's making a ton of money. And he, what does he have? Like eight million dollars saved up. So, like. I think if you had eight million dollars, you could have eight storage units easy. What are you paying? And a month? his like, house was really hundred bucks nice. a month. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted his house. I was like that, but it's looks... in the Dominican. I don't care. I would. Go okay. There. the The worst line of this movie, the Florida fight, and he like runs off to another room, and then the the guy he's fighting. This is like mid fight. He's like, "You're the Dominican Republican." The, the Dominican <laughs> Republican. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. I, it was yeah. the worst. You're the mm. Dominic Republican. <laughs> he should have said you're the guy from the DR and it would have been totally fine. Yeah. It's just no one would ever say that mid fight. It's just <laughs> well, not I, a thing. I mean, I didn't catch it in the moment, but you don't think that was a joke? Uh, like of the movie or of the character? Uh, the Fincher wrote for the character. Could have been a joke. There, the movie was surprisingly funny. Like the dog was funny. There was some sure. humor elements. Yeah, he, he yeah. made a joke about storage wars unlocking his locker in the future, mm-hmm. which I thought the was mo- funny. The movie kind of made like current jokes. Like there was WeWork stuff. There was um, right. Wordle stuff. Yeah, that was weird to hear the word Wordle said by a character in a yeah. movie. <laughs> it was just weird. <laughs> so th- this movie actually gave me an idea for a list that we'll do an- another time. Mm-hmm. But I want to do like top ten movies that are also clearly exist within their time period. Oh, okay. L- like like movies where like oh yeah, you want to talk about a-, a movies a movie that shows you the eighties? Look at so and so because like this movie is rooted in the eighties, and like this movie seemed because of those. Whenever you make current references, you're just dating yourself and rooting yourself in a certain time period. Sure. Like when Kick-Ass 2 spends like 30 seconds of its finale talking about the lost finale for some reason. Exactly. Yes. Right. <laughs> You're like, so. okay, this is going to date in like <laughs> two years. Nobody will care about this at all. Uh, it was even less than that. Um, not since Fight Club have I heard more inner monologue spoken out loud in a Fincher film. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, there is a lot of it in this movie. Yeah. And some of it's kind of like pablum. Like it wasn't, it's all affirmations and like, you know, 
Right. Yeah. That's stuff that he doesn't even believe half the time. I'm curious to know like how many lines are actually spoken in the movie. Because a lot of it's him walking around talking to himself in his head. Sure. (laughs) I mean, he definitely did a lot of conversation in the office with the employer. Sure. And then there's a, there's a sequence at the end as well, near the end. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the beginning is him talking to himself and then the Florida fight in the middle. There's not much talking during that. Except for, Hey, you're the Dominican Republic. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Um, yeah. Anything else? Uh, One thing I did feel was missing is like, I kind of put this in the same category as panic room. Whereas panic room is like a movie anybody could have made, but like Fincher made it. And so it's like plot wise, nothing crazy, nothing special. There's nothing hugely, you know, Fincher about it, but the guy has to like do a camera angle going through the banisters of the, you know, staircase and (laughs) going down the AC. You know what I mean? He has to put his Fincher visual touch on it. I kind of felt like this one had more like gone girl, girl with the dragon tattoo Fincher touch than old school Fincher touch on it. And I kind of miss old school Fincher touch for something like this. Yeah. This one felt very muted Mm -hmm. and yellow, which are are cold. And and right. I think about girl with the dragon tattoo. I just think about fluorescent lighting and how much that's used in that movie. Yeah. This felt more like, those two movies, social net, like from the social network on, this has been his style. Maybe Mank, you know, sidelined that for a little bit because it was a period piece, but uh, felt more in line with what he's done since the social network, which is fine. But um, I miss the old venture. Um, yeah, no, but I thought um, this, I thought this movie was definitely kept my attention. I wanted mm-hmm. to keep watching. I had to watch it in um, more than one viewing session. And uh, that made me sad because I wanted to keep watching. Okay. Nice. Yeah. It, it never drags. No. I think it's like if you're going to watch a movie about an assassin, uh, maybe this would be the one. <laughs> I don't know. No. There, there's what about assassin uh, movies? Uh, what, what about the what about the classic one with the guy with like love and hate on his fingers? Um, uh, Night of the Hunter. Yeah, is he an assassin? I don't remember. No, it's he's been a while like a since I've demented seen that. preacher. He's just a like, menace. I'm thinking like Le Samurai. That's a a better assassin sure. movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I think it's in the conversation of the better of them. But I also wouldn't say this is like amazing and people have to go out and see it. But if they're a Fincher fan, certainly go see it. I, don't I, know. I think this is very watchable if you have two hours to kill on Netflix. Like there's worse things you could watch on Netflix for sure. Oh, yeah. Definitely. All right. Uh, if, if there's nothing else, let's letterbox this and then talk a few minutes of spoilers. What are you guys going to give out of five stars? To the killer. I'm going to give this three and a half stars. I'm going four. I'm going three and a half. Two, three and a halfs and a four for the killer. We're moving into spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen the killer, 
uh, and you don't want to be spoiled, then don't listen to this. And if you have seen the killer or you don't care, then listen on. I don't think you can really spoil anything. I think you're safe to keep listening is my opinion. <laughs> That's Zach's opinion. My I don't have an opinion on this, and I think Kyle feels otherwise. <laughs> maybe I, I, I just want to discuss his skills in, as an assassin. So maybe this conversation <laughs> yeah. would would ruin the movie for you because you don't have to experience it for yourself. But do you guys think he's not a very good assassin? I I think for, okay. So we he botches a job, right? That's what kicks mm-hmm. off the whole thing, and we see him wait days for this person to come back. Right. So he's obviously patient. Mm-hmm. And then the, this person comes back and they're in their hotel or they're in their apartment. And like within five minutes, he's like, I got to take this person out. And while there's another woman in there who's interacting with him. And I still understand, like, if you've been waiting for if you're this patient, been waiting for so long, why take this risk to like pull off this perfect shot as there's this other innocent bystander moving around? Like th- under- that's that seemed to be like not him not being a good assassin of like oh I, I need to I need to do the shot now and then he, he ends up killing the wrong person because they get in the in the way of the of the shot versus he could have just waited until she left the room which she was probably gonna do at some point. So I've got to disagree for a couple of reasons. Okay, okay please. No, number one, okay, uh, he's boots on the ground here, so. We we can't armchair quarterback him. We got to trust that like he was much had more situational awareness than we did. No, but, okay, okay. But I I <laughs> I am gonna quarterback this here because hey, <laughs> this is what what's the point of we're not discussing it? Like we see how patient and methodical he is. Absolutely. So why rush this moment? That's okay, what so I'm here, trying to say. Which brings me to my second point. Okay. Okay. Um, he clearly made a decision. I need to take the shot now where we have already established this is a patient man, right? right. He's capable of waiting. Um, so I would think he made a uh, decision that waiting would be um, a bad calculation. Perhaps he's like, he knows this guy is not going to be there long. This is opportunity. Pretty soon they're going to move to the bedroom or somewhere else. Like this is, she had already closed the curtain. Maybe he, you know, like he's just like, the he, curtain was he, open. Didn't, didn't she close it? No, after so the the maids open all the curtains up, right? And then after the bot shot, then they all close the curtains. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just think that like he's probably like okay, things are starting to happen in that room, and okay. pretty soon I might lose my clear shot, which I could I think is reasonable to assume. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is, uh, I, didn't he say something about it? Like in order to make the shot, his heart rate has to be under a certain number of beats per second. Yeah, right. Like he, he he has a heart monitor. He knows I have to have a low heart rate. Like he understands how to squeeze a trigger exactly. all that stuff. Yep. I think I think he's a little bit of a, you know, a, a, a freak and he knew that if he didn't take the shot then his heart rate was going to start going a little bit faster and that was his only opportunity to take the shot. It because he kept training his his uh scope on the woman instead of the man, yes. right? He kept yeah. getting distracted. I I yeah. that's of your three points, I like that one the best. Yeah. So, I think, like, the, I think it's your strongest argument. So, like, the half naked woman was making his heart rate go up. Is that what you're I saying? think so. I think so. Yeah, like, like okay. yeah, he's being a little voyeuristic about it. Yes. Interesting. Okay, so when when he gets to his house in the Dominican mm-hmm. Republic and he realizes something's afoot, he seems to be running around it 
like with his gun out, not yes. methodically going from room to room. Again, may, maybe this is the panic setting because of this emotional attachment he has to someone who lives there. But that didn't seem like a trained assassin who approaches a situation that seems dangerous would seem to be a little more would take more time going room to room to see if there's still a danger versus kind of almost panic running from room to room. I, again, see, I have three points on this, but James, yeah. I like to hear what you have to say. Number one, we can't arm chair quarterback. <laughs> no, we can't. On this situation, we can. Yes, James, you have a thought. I mean, I saw that as like he he's at the gate, right? It's mm-hmm. his gate. He could open the gate and drive right in, but he realizes like between the cigarettes on the ground and the boot print that like s- somebody was waiting here and they went in. And so yeah. instead of driving through, he jumps out of his car and does exactly what that person was going to do. You know what I mean? Follow the exact same trail because that's what he would have done were he the assassin in that situation. That's the way I read it. And so by the time he was in the house, he was just following the path that he thought another assassin would take from room to room and just following the trail until he sees a reason to stop and, you know, and be attacked or attack somebody. Right. That's the way I read it as far as why he was moving that way. And I okay. do like that he recognized, oh, there's a footprint here. I probably should just open the gate and drive up. Like, right. So, like, he's not incompetent. And he he shows snuck moments. into his own house using the exact same entry point yep, as true. what yeah. the other assassin did. Okay. No, no, number one. Okay. Uh, he got there and the love of his life, right, is in danger. So a little, a little bit, a little bit, uh, you're going to not, not, you can be the best assassin in the world, but you're still going to care in that moment in a way that you don't when you're working strictly professionally. Okay. doesn't mean he's a bad assassin. It means he's a good human, uh, which he's not. Two, uh, I think he recognized that no one was currently there. Like the okay. odds are that no one was there, right? He looked at the prints, he, he smelled them, and he's like, oh, these are at least 14 hours old, you know? I don't uh, think he smelled the prints. But, I know, but okay. metaphorically, metaphorically, <laughs> okay, metaphorically. He, he assessed the situation. But, and, and what is the metaphor exactly here? <laughs> <laughs> he was he was sussing it out, okay? Um, and so he's a little panicked. Also, he knew the people weren't there. And then uh, finally, he's not like the SWAT team, right? His <laughs> skills are in like assassinations, right? So like clearing a house is not necessarily something he's trained in or like does. He he kills people. He doesn't like he's not law enforcement where he's like safely navigating a building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but I mean, like he we know he's not the kind of assassin that only uses rifles from long range. Like he even talks in that opening scene about why he it's he says something about like why he doesn't like actually using a rifle from long range because there's too many factors like there's too many x factors right he prefers all these other ways to do assassination Mm -hmm. so i get the impression that he is capable of sneaking around a house like he can poison people and not have it set in for days and find other ways to kill them you know he he easily dispatches that woman in her house she knows he's there but but he has like a large set of skills no i agree with that so we see him competently break into tons of places. I think that's very skilled how he gets oh. into the his boss's office. Yeah, that was good. I, I like that whole sequence with the, the, the recycling can. And yeah, though, I, I thought it was unwise to drive nails into the desk because that like, this leaves evidence. Behind. Yeah, like, I thought the same thing when he, a little when he pulled the laptops out and there were nail holes i was like okay so you've cleaned everything up but there's like mysterious nail holes in the guys right 
desk. So, so if you're the investigator set to the case, you're going to be looking at this desk and like you're going to piece it together. I don't know if you're going to piece it together, but you're definitely going to notice nail holes in the desk. Like this is odd. Yeah. And I don't the, think driving one, the laptops <laughs> missing to the uh, um, <laughs> office secretary just missing. fell down the stairs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, and yeah. Three of the guys missing. Something happened in that office. I also don't think driving a nail through a computer then wipes the hard drive. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, if, you hit, if you know exactly where the hard drive is, you're not wiping it, but you're definitely destroying it. If it's solid state, you can't recover that. I mean, if you put it right through the the memory of a solid state, it's you're destroying it. Yeah, okay. you're not going to okay. be able to recover it. All right. As far and as then, I know, I don't know. I'm not a recovery specialist. The uh, the third one was the, the guy's so house. In, modest. The guy's house in Florida. Yeah. Right. Again, great entry. He has a whole plan. He knows there's a dog. He cases it out. He um, has his plan to get by the dog. It's all great. He gets into the house and immediately the guy gets the drop on him. Like, mm-hmm. like he is taken by surprise that this person attacked him in this house. And he knows the guys in the house. Obviously, he doesn't know the house. So like that's new to him. But I didn't expect him just to get the drop on him so fast. So what would a better assassin have done? I think a better job of clearing. Like, if you're going to go into a house to kill a person and then you say, well, I'm bad at clearing spaces, then don't have that be your approach. Like, he has this large uh, tool belt of ways he can take a person out. He could just have burned the place down. Like, he burned it down anyway. Like, why go in there? If you're bad at hand-to-hand fighting or you're bad at clearing a house, as as maybe your point is, because he's on the SWAT team, then why have clear the house be your method of assassination if you have all these other ways you could do it? Was he bad at hand-to-hand fighting? No. No, he wasn't bad at hand-to-hand fighting. He, but, yeah. but he also knew this guy was a larger opponent than he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like So I, I'm just saying he had a lot of information. And you just wanted him to get SWAT training. Hmm? You wanted him to get SWAT training. No, I don't want to give SWAT trade. I, w- I want him to say, if you're as competent as you say, and if you have all this information, then use that information to give yourself the best outcome versus run into a situation that's unknown and get the drop on you. I don't know. See, I just feel I, I kind of liked at the beginning of the movie. He's like, he's got all these rules for himself, these positive affirmations, these things that he's like drilling himself on. And then like, it doesn't work. Like he misses the shot. Yeah. And then now he's like, okay, now I'm going to go home and his wife's like his whole reality of like having everything under control has like collapsed, (laughs) I would say onto himself or well, I don't know. And so while he's pursuing uh, revenge and going down the, or up the chain of command, um, he's flying by the seat of his pants a little bit here and there. And things aren't going exactly as would be planned. Were it planned? Um, I thought there was enough skill when I said, I don't think they showed him being a real great assassin. It was because there is some sloppiness in the revenge part. And also the one time we get to see him be a true assassin, as in he was paid to do this. He misses. He writes. Yeah. So all we have is his word that he's good at it. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that he has six fully stocked storage spaces across the world. So he's probably pretty good. at. He's obviously decent if he's made a career out of it. Right. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it seems to be if you mess up the job, then the recourse is the client who you're going after can now pay to go after you. So sure. I'm sure people who mess up in this job do not last very long. Let's talk a real spoiler. Why did they let the client go? The rich guy? The rich guy. The, the only one he didn't actually kill. Uh, it, it, my impression was he thought the client had no idea that he was going to be killed. And so he like didn't give any culpability to the client. Is that what happened? That well, was my reading, too. Yeah, it, it kind of seemed like this is just like everything else is personal. But like everybody else should have known better. Right. And this guy didn't know better. And so I'm going to let him walk. Right. Like, like this guy wasn't going to wasn't trying to get me killed because I'm me. It's because I tried to kill him. And, I, you know, I was just on the other end of the gun. So that's why he's turned the gun on me. Wait, 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 he wasn't he wasn't the one that was going to be assassinated at the beginning. No, 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 no. Yeah. 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 No, that, that, that was him. That was him. No, 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 no. no. He was the no, one no. that hired him to kill the other guy. The rich guy oh. that he let off was the one that paid. He was or the, the client. rich guy who went to the gym and yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was the, the client who paid for them to kill some other guy. That wasn't the guy in Paris who he was trying no. to kill. Oh, no. okay. I, you thought I that was the same it. guy? Yes. Oh, I don't know. I mean, he's a rich guy. He's probably got penthouses <laughs> well, everywhere. <laughs> one guy was a lot easier to get to than the other guy. <laughs> Good point. I I misread it as in. Okay, my bad. How I saw the plot of the Did movie. we just blow your mind? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Is that Fassbender was trying to kill this one guy. Mm-hmm. He messed up. And then, for whatever reason, like the the agency got in contact with him and said, hey, sorry about the botched job. Do you want to get the guy who tried to kill you? And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Sorry what about a, the botched job killing what you. What a wild reading of that discussion. <laughs> no, I, hey, that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I wow. kind of see how you could logically. We, we apologized for the near miss. <laughs> well, no, no, like it, like like it, it's like the boss playing both sides, right? Sure. Like, hey, we were hired to kill you, but our guy messed up, so now you can pay us to kill him to kill our guy. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Not the guy who hired us to kill you, <laughs> just the the guy that delivers the milk. Yeah. Yeah. N- now that I say it out loud, it makes no sense. But <laughs> in the moment last night, I was watching this movie. I'm like, oh yeah, that's okay. the guy who was, he was supposed to kill who, uh, you know, is now- sure. okay. Oh, so you that brought was the- your assumptions into the dialogue and made it fit. It sounds like. <laughs> when, when, awesome. So, okay. When they said the clients, I thought they were, I thought the client was the coding for the targets, not for the person who hired him. Right. Sure. That's where I got no. the confusion. But sure. your reading makes way more sense than <laughs> and correctly. Okay, this is a real world question. Okay. Let's let's just speculate there's 2000 billionaires in the world. I don't know how many there are. Let's just say there's 2000 billionaires. Okay. What percentage of those billionaires do you ever think have put a hit on someone? There's 2000 billionaires? Let's just assume. I don't know what the actual number is. I think there is like roughly 2000. Okay. It doesn't matter. So Let's go with that. You, you, want, you want to want to know of all it's the billionaires in the world, yeah. what percentage have put a hit on someone? Yeah. And this is living billionaires. J- James, it doesn't matter how many there are. You don't need to I'm going to say 0.5%. So you think one in 200? Uh, sure. Okay. So that's low. That's pretty low. Yeah. I, I, uh, I would say like 1%. So pretty, two and two hundred. I think that's, that's low. Not, not all that different than what I said. 
Wow. I wonder, I, I, I need to look up my figures. I figured 1% of people have killed someone <laughs> just in general, in the general population. No, I don't well, know. In America, How many people are in the what world? percent of people have killed someone? I can't, <laughs> hopefully nobody ever uses this against me in a court of law. Uh, have killed. Well, I mean, someone. you can look at like how many murderers, how many people are locked up for murder in the United States, and then compare that to population. But there's 6.1 victims per 100,000 population across the globe. Six per 100,000. Six so per hundred thousand. If you extract, well, I mean, we're six point one. No, but yeah, but that's not that's not six murderers per hundred thousand. That's six victims per hundred thousand. Carry the four. Thanks. <laughs> How <Okay>. many <laughs> per hundred? <laughs> I guess I could see. I could possibly. I don't know how many American billionaires are putting hits out. Because mm-hmm. I feel like even though American billionaires are corrupt, they're we just have less corruption in that aspect in this country, but I could definitely see billionaires in other countries who are more likely and who are living in a more corrupt society. You think American billionaires are less corrupt than no, other places? No, in the world? I, I think American billionaires are able to use a corrupt system. So they're, they're working within the legal confines. Hmm. Interesting. I think when you're a billionaire, you probably can't help but break the law occasionally. But like, I'm thinking about like Saudi Arabia and MBS ordering killings and Putin ordering sure. killings, right? Like, yeah, and, yeah. And those are those are very public facing, public publicly criminal yeah. for sure. Uh, just for the record, twenty six forty. That's how many billionaires in the okay. world. So Zach was oh, pretty pretty, close, pretty close. Nice. So if you say. One in 200. That means only 10 billionaires have put a hit on people. Or like 16 billion or 13 billionaires. Out of 2,640. Yeah, exactly. Sure. It just that seems like there's, there's, only, there's only six or 13 billionaires who put a hit on someone. That's it. I mean, I think maybe you've seen a lot of movies. <laughs> I have. I have. <laughs> Okay, I, I think billionaires are just as likely to kill somebody as a normal person. I, Their access to money, I don't think, increases the odds as much. While as you we it were does. talking, I asked ChatGPT right. to calculate what percentage of Americans have committed murder. Okay, right, and it did some really interesting calculations um, based on the numbers <laughs> sure you gave. Did. Actually, it said the murder rate was five per hundred thousand instead of six. Okay. Anyways, it came up with a quarter of a percent of Americans have committed murder. Quarter of a percent. A of quarter of all Americans. Yes, so it's one out of every four hundred Americans. No, a, a quarter of a percent. Wait, no, quarter, quarter of a percent. Twenty-five. A quarter. Okay, quarter no, of a percent. Point two five percent. That's my thoughts. So. Okay, a quarter so, of a percent. One out of how many? One out of four hundred people have committed murder in America. You think that's true? One a out qu- of four hundred have murdered somebody. I guess it depends on your definition of murder, maybe. What? No, no. These are people. These are people. This is murder. This is not like war, you know, going to war and killing someone. This is like they've committed the crime of murder. Hmm. So if a quarter of a percentage of Americans have committed a murder, then a quarter of a percentage of all billionaires is six. Right. I just, unlike James, I would assume that a billionaire is more likely to have someone killed than your average person. 
Do you say, I, I mean, but so, okay, so your average billionaire, yeah. if your billionaire is your average person, then of those 2,500 billionaires, six of them have paid someone to be knocked off. So do you think that billionaires are like twice as likely where it's 12? Are they four times as likely where we're at like, you know, 30s? Like, like how big are, are you willing to go? Because because right now, six is your baseline. So if you're, you're going to go like 100, you're talking like... I think 100 billionaires have put a hit on someone. You think 100 billionaires? I think 100 billionaires. <laughs> so, okay. Based on the number of movies I've watched. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I've watched three thousand movies. Yeah. So yeah, that's so you're looking at four percent. Yeah. Right. So so that's like uh, I don't know, twenty times. You you think billionaires are twenty times more likely to put a hit on person? I do. I do. They're twenty times more likely to do everything. Somebody on Quora asked, "What is the percentage of billionaires who hired an assassin or killed a person themselves?" And there's and? 33 answers making fun of them <laughs> for asking the question. So no one engaged with the question? <laughs> no, no. Not in a serious way. <laughs> well, I applaud you guys. Okay, so Zach thinks that billionaires are... You so you think they're 20, more, 20 times more likely to do anything more than the normal person? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And here's, we know of billionaires who have done this. Like, it's not even conspiracy theory stuff. Like, we've we do. Heard, yeah. Like, that Saudi prince who had the journalist killed. Yeah. MBS and Putin. And okay. Yeah. yeah. Putin has done it. I mean, like, if right, we can, didn't you say we needed to get to like a hundred of them? That's well, yeah, yeah. But, but we can rattle off four. And if the, if the like normal percentages mean six, like, those are only what ones. Percentage we know. of them are Russian. That's the question. Yeah. A lot. I would bet. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to throw some names out. I know we gotta wrap this up here. You tell me gut if they've ordered a hit or not. Okay. <laughs> so okay. bad. Okay. Bezos. Uh, no. 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 Uh, Gates. No. no. I don't think any of the those ones have. <laughs> Trump. Maybe not billionaire, but we'll throw it out there. No. I don't think Trump would. Uh, no. It's Trump. No. <laughs> I think if he had, we'd pause. know about it. There, somebody would have talked by now. He would be. He wouldn't be very good at hiding it, would, would he? Right. <laughs> he would have said it on stage somewhere by now. What about the King of Jordan? I don't know. I don't know about anything the King about of Jordan. Them. Isn't he like the one of the richest people in the world? I don't know. I I don't know. I okay. literally know nothing about him. <laughs> I I know that he's no 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 nothing about him. All right. Don't let me think about <laughs> King of Jordan. No. Okay. Um, what about Elon Musk? No. No, I don't think he. Is. No. No. Although, too, although too he he cut off the internet from Ukraine. At one point, so that they wouldn't blow up a Russian like ship or something. Wait, he's. I mean, I'm not arguing that he's a good sure. person. <laughs> right. Like, so he did and, take direct action that led to people dying. Yeah, oh, right. You know what right, I mean? That's right, different. Right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, like sure. you could definitely tie billionaires to the death of, you know, the normal people just through their actions of acquiring wealth and power. Are there any billionaire filmmakers? Like I know George Lucas sold Star Wars for like four something billion. So he's yeah, probably him. a billionaire. Well, he's definitely just because a of like Skywalker sound and Pixar and all that. Yeah, Plus, gonna, you he, said he sold it for four and a half billion. Uh, okay. Right, but he gave away the vast majority of it to who? But I think I still think he's a billionaire just from all the other yeah. ancillary businesses. Yeah, he, he, I'm trying to think. he might be worth five billion. Do you think Spielberg's worth a billion? That was my next question. 
Yes, for sure. But more from his producing, I would say. Oh, yeah. 4.8. 4.8 billion. Yeah. Wow. That's oh, crazy. Do you think Oprah has ordered a hit on someone? Yeah. She's a billionaire, right? Yeah. What about Ashton Kutcher? Is he a billionaire? I don't know. Not a not a billionaire. I know Ashton Kutcher's like surprisingly more rich than you'd ever imagine because he like invested in a bunch of tech companies in the late is it is it like 50 cent Uh, like with the vitamin water stuff um well i think it's even bigger than 50 cent technically no yeah yeah because like he he like invested in airbnb and like a couple other ones that were like major at like at like the VC level, not at like a stock market level. Um, trying to think if there was somebody else too that is like shockingly wealthy off of that type of stuff. Ashton Kutcher's net worth as of April two thousand twenty three was only twenty million. Oh, that's twenty not million as good as I thought it would yeah. be. Hmm. As of when? Uh, April twenty twenty three. Yeah. I'm gonna pass them any day now. Fifty cent as of the same time period? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Forty million. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that's good. I'm not saying that's not good, but I was ready to really be blown away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty disappointed with that. I was disappointed by forty million dollars. What yeah. about Dr. Dre? Wasn't he like a billionaire off of beats? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Dre, absolutely. I think so. <laughs> 500 million. 500 million? Yeah. So not a billionaire. What about It's hard to get to a B. Um Jay-Z. Jay-Z net worth. It is oh, hard to get to a 2.5 B. Oh, 2.5 B. Is Cuz he owned his own record label like uh, the other wealthiest music it. artist in the world. Really? Yeah. Plus, wow. beyond, he's got Beyonce money too. So, how many Grammys does he have? How many Grammys does Jay Z have? Jay Z, yeah. I mean, it's a 12. Grammy. Doesn't matter. It doesn't 12. matter. I, I don't think Grammys hold the same prestige as like an Oscar or an Emmy. It's part I of the agree, EGOT, but from a music perspective, it's the top. I know. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, I know it's part of an EGOT because you need some vowels in there. I mean, it's the best <laughs> thing you can get award wise for music, right? Yeah, but at, like. All, all of them are popularity contests. Grammys yeah. seem to be even more so popularity and current contests. But do they to, give more Grammys than they give Oscars? Like they have more categories? Yeah. Yes, no. they have more categories. Really? How many categories of Grammys can are there? There's a lot. <laughs> I like, are, but there's, are, are, are we talking like the televised Oscars or like every single Oscar? Every Oscar. Give, yeah. If There's probably like 50 Oscar categories. Okay, then if, if we're not comparing, if we're just doing, then they're probably similar. I'm going to guess. That's, I think there's like 200 Grammy categories. Are there really? Year. Well, there's like Latin music, Latin breakout, Latin. Yeah, I mean, it's like all kinds of categories. You can get a Grammy for doing book on tape, like for reading a book. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's like a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, I don't have a problem with it. All I'm saying is Jay Z is 112. That's my guess. Kyle? I, I was thinking 12, too. I'm going to agree with, with the James on that one. No, come on. There has to be a winner. You got to go above or below 12. 13. <laughs> okay, there we go. You guys are so off. He's he's won 24 Grammys. Yeah, so I was wow. closer. That's awesome. 
He's twice as good at music as I thought he was. No, he's twice <laughs> as popular in music as I thought you were. he was. <laughs> twice as good. Everybody knows these awards are about how good you are. At yeah, I mean, th- that's why Jethro <laughs> Tull won Best Metal Album. <laughs> that is why. Yeah, because... <laughs> I agree. They're way better at metal than Metallica. <laughs> how many Grammys has Beyonce been nominated for? Nominated? Yeah. I'm going to guess she's been nominated for 50. 36. You guys underestimate these numbers. 79 career nominations. Well, how, how many has how she many won? Those, how many of those were Latin Grammys? <laughs> Latin Beyonce? breakout. I, I don't know. Why would Beyonce get nominated for Latin no, because, Grammys? Because there's so many Grammys. That's why. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. I still don't get it, but I understand <laughs> it now. Um, How many did she win? Do you have that number? The number is not readily jumping out at me. However, it it look it, it appears to be uh, twenty six. If I were to okay. quickly try to count this number of squares in front of me, she's better at music than Jay Z. <laughs> I think people would agree with that. <laughs> There's no Z Hive. That's true. Hey, hey guys, can I make a suggestion? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how much editing this is going to take on your part, James. Right. Do you just want to make this whole billionaire discussion on uh, a, a Patreon? <laughs> no, <laughs> and just I'm, we're keeping divorce it divorce it from the regular episode. Okay, it's at the end of a spoiler though. section. I think people can <laughs> people can handle it. I'm just trying two birds one stone to hear. <laughs> it's all good. Um, anything else? Spoiler discussion <laughs> on the killer. How much do you think the client was worth in bees? Uh. F- 10 okay so so he, <laughs> no, he's, he's like we'll a, never know he's like a solid billionaire but he's no he's no top billionaire no no he's like a mid-tier billionaire. okay okay yeah i, I mean this the scale on billionaires have you seen it it's pretty crazy there's like a bunch of them are down here and then it's like like right like the 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 last 50 have the vast majority of the billions well so even look at the top two jeff bezos 120 or 114 Right below him is Larry Ellison at 107, and then Elon Musk 180. So, like, there is a significant jump between number one and number two. Right. <clears throat> yep. You got it. Wow. You Judge Judy it. is rich. I know. It's crazy. She is wealthy. She has half a B. It's because you can't pee on her leg until it's raining. That's, well, you probably could, but she wouldn't believe you. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to this episode 608 of The Cine Realist. We appreciate your listenership. Don't forget, you can always check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Realist. Also, support us on Patreon. Leave us an Apple podcast review or send us an email to heygueyesatcinerealist.com. You can also follow us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Or you can follow me on my personal Twitter or Letterboxd account at YoJRB. You can follow me on Twitter or Letterboxd at Shobin. Find me on Letterboxd at Peter SKB. We will be back next week with something or other. We don't quite know yet. If you have any suggestions, feel free to hit us up. Either way, we'll see you guys next week. Until then, keep it Cinereal.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.